When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the May edition of the Arsenal Women Arsecast and we've got we've got a few special guests for you today um, in this episode but the most special guest uh, we're going to introduce the new co-host um, of the Arsenal Women Arsecast Pippa Monique. Pippa. Wow. <laughs> what is, I, I don't think I'm the most special, judging by who's coming up. On the first day, but that is an introduction. <laughs> uh, it's quite, it's quite true. It's quite true. Um, so yeah, uh, as as we as I kind of said in one of the articles a couple of weeks ago, Pippa's going to be um, kind of co-hosting, hosting some of these um, as well. So you're not just getting my voice all the time. Um, Pippa, why don't we start? Um, why don't you tell the listeners and me actually a little bit about <laughs> yourself, your background in women's football and how you got into, into um, producing women's football content? Wicked. I don't know where to start really. I think, <laughs> should I take you all the way back when I first got interested in football? Go for I it. Go for with? it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm the youngest of two siblings. So I've got an older brother that used to be a coach of our local team. And I used to be his tag along really while my mum was at work. So <laughs> there's a big age gap between us. I used to tag along with him to his football coaching sessions. And then I ended up joining in out of boredom. And then I just like fell in love with the game. And we played, we, we're from Stratford in East London. So we played for like West Ham mainly. And mm. there was one time that we got called up to go play um, for West Ham. And wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always, this is my claim to fame. I always tell people I played for West Ham juniors. <laughs> I, I did. It was literally only for a month, but I still did it. Um, and we got awarded by the end of the... Well, I only stayed for a month, but we got awarded by Harry Redknapp. And I was literally the only girl on the team. And I was like, I love this game. Like, wow. <laughs> I was like, this is... At the time, and at the time, I didn't even know who Harry Redknapp was. Everyone was getting so excited. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just learning about football. So I carried on. But I was doing a lot of things as a youth, like singing, dancing, musical theatre and stuff. But yeah. football was always my main passion. So I used to always play. I went to a girls' school. would always play at lunchtime anyway, find a way to do that. I was my sports capturing throughout the whole time at school in every year. And do, you still, got, do you still play at all? No. And I'm, I've got invited to play tomorrow at... at at a London Premier League pitch. Oh wow! And I'm terrified because the last time I kicked ball was about 2007. <laughs> That's the last time I actually played a game. So wow, I have a kick about now and then with my son, and and he outskills me all the time. So don't know what's going to happen on that pitch. To be fair. <laughs> nice. And and so how how did you um how did you then get into to women's football? I guess and kind of producing content around that. So yeah, I stopped playing about the age 17, 18, but I still loved the game so much. And I was like, because I didn't, because I wasn't good enough to be fair. I didn't have that confidence in playing. I was like, what else can I do in football? Like, like I really want to do something. And I didn't know women's football was a thing until 2007, 2008. And I saw it on TV and I was like, wow, I don't want to play, but there must be something I can do. And I remember tweeting a few years ago, 
it's probably still up there that I would love to host a women's football show one day. Mm. And that's just always been in the forefront of my mind. And I was just like, how can I do this? I don't know where to go. I don't have the qualifications for that. So I just thought, okay. I talk about it a lot and everyone around me was like, why don't you just pick up a camera and do it yourself? Mm. And I was like, no, I don't know how to do that stuff. I'm camera shy. There's no way I will do that. And I just thought, do you know what? Just do it. So I did my first video, but it was, it was when I first started creating videos, it was around the Premier League because I'm an Arsenal fan, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just created content around Arsenal. So if I was going to a match, I'd do a match day vlog. I would just sit there and talk about the game, talk about the players. And um, that's how I started. And I thought, why am I neglecting the women's game? This is the whole reason I got into this. Uh, so I started uh, doing my research a bit more and just went down to Borenwood and said, yeah, in 2015, I was like, I have to do this. And that's, I think that's one of the great things like uh, with women's football as well. I, I think if anyone's like, I don't know, coming out of university or anything or looking to get exposure, like women's football is like a perfect place really because yeah, like, yeah. you get the access like quite easily and the players are so good and like so good with their time yeah. and it's it's like it's really really great like like if you're looking to kind of like sharpen those skills but I, I think you're right that kind of like that DIY element um, to it just that kind of you know I don't, I don't really have to flash like a big press badge to get in I can yeah. just get in and then bang I've got FaceTime with the manager or like these really like elite level kind of kind of players and uh, did did you find any of that daunting um, initially yes. yes of course so I didn't do any of the going down to the ground and applying for press passes until so I actually studied sports journalism I didn't get to finish mm. my degree but I was studying and whilst I was on my course I was on a placement for Millwall Linuses mm. and while I was there my first ever interview that I did was with Rinzola Babajide who was at Millwall at the yeah. time and I was like, oh, wow, this was quite cool. Like, I got access. I was able to interview players, to interview the manager. And I did it all for the uh, FAWSL website at the time. And I was like, cool, okay, I've done this. My university has put me in the position to do this. So I thought, let me just try and do it myself and reach out now that I've, you know, dipped my toe in. Mm. Uh, I didn't do it straight away. Uh, and I only started really last in 2018. I got the confidence to right, Phil, go all the way. You can do this. You're confident with a camera now. You know what you're talking about. Just go and do it. That, that's amazing and and you've um you've done some work for well AFTV as, as yeah. they're now called uh, Arsenal Fan TV how did, how did that come about so yeah so this is when I first started picking up the camera I this was about 2013 mm. or was that oh, oh my gosh I can't remember it was a while ago I think 2013 I remember it was a, a Emirates Cup game mm. 2013 sounds like a long time ago but I feel like <laughs> I feel like that was the year <laughs> but yeah um I found their YouTube page because obviously I, this is what I wanted to start doing mm. and I found their YouTube page and at the time they had about 4,000 subscribers which is still quite a lot but compared to now a very small channel and I reached out to them and I said well this is something I want to do but seeing as you're doing it we might as well collaborate mm. and they were like cool well we're looking for a female presenter so let's meet up at a game one time and I met them just before the Emirates Cup it was the Oh, I don't remember what Emirates Cup it was, to be fair. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I met them. I met up with them, with Robbie and Tao, the cameraman. And, um, yeah, they, they loved me. They loved my knowledge of the game, loved the fact that I was an Arsenal fan, of course. And we just went from there. So I used to do a lot of fan interviews. Probably, probably People probably don't even know that now because it's mm. so far back in the distance. I used to do a lot of the fan interviews before the game and a bit of fun content where I'd, like, quiz the fans about their knowledge on Arsenal. 
Uh, it was quite funny actually because a lot of fans didn't know what year Arsenal was founded, which was quite strange. <laughs> Even though, like, I swear, most of the shirts is on the emblem, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did a, I did a bit of that. So that's how that came about. I just emailed them, uh, reached out to them, and I've been a part of that AFTV family ever since. To be fair. Oh wow! And uh, and I saw um, a post you put. I can't remember if it was on your Instagram or your Twitter the other day about Rachel Yankee. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah. Yeah, because Ra- Rachel was obviously working at the Arsenal Man City game uh, recently, yeah. and like massive Arsenal legend. I've I've oh been gosh. going to watch Arsenal ladies since about ninety five, ninety six, yeah. and so like I kind of this makes me feel really old. But I got like, <laughs> no, I was like wow, <laughs> I got like the beginning of Rachel Yankee's career, and I've I've got like mm-hmm. a signed shirt from her somewhere from like nineteen ninety eight or something like that. Wow. But I, I I saw this uh, this post, uh, you know, I th- I think you took a picture with. With Rachel Yankee and, and mm-hmm. why that was so special to you. Do, you. do you perhaps want to explain why uh, meeting Rachel Yankee a couple of weeks ago was such a big thing for you? This was something I was literally sat next to her in the press box and I was like, wow, I got a, a decent seat here. And I didn't I didn't know how to start a conversation with her because I was literally starstruck. So as I said, I'm first I'm late to the game. I'm not I'm, I'm not an OG like you. I, I found out about <laughs> women's football in 2007 and I remember it vividly because I used to spend a lot of time in my grandparents' house on the weekends. And they had, you know, the old school five channels. <laughs> yeah. And I was flicking through the channels, bored. I think it was a Saturday afternoon. And I can't remember what game it was, but Arsenal were playing on the TV, Arsenal women. And I was like, what? There's an Arsenal women? How do I not know about this? Like, what? Um, and I literally took out my notepad and I started writing down all the names of the players as the commentator was announcing them. Um, and I And I came, and Rachel Yankee was like, immediately my favourite player on the pitch as I was watching her and I was like oh my god this is a legend and that was the first time I ever encountered her and to think 12 years later I was sitting next to her it was insane it was mind-blowing because I was like wow I remember when I was a little teenager watching you on TV thinking I want to be like you because the moment I watched her on TV I I applied for football trials at um, Leighton Orient I think it was mm. and uh, Colchester and all these places because they inspired me and I was like because this was when I was still playing and I thought oh my gosh I'm going to do this uh, but yeah it didn't go that way <laughs> <laughs> and do you know um, like a, a, one of like the most fascinating things about Rachel Yankee's backstory do you know when she was yes. younger yes um, I do yeah 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 about yeah. her because uh, there were no girls teams so she yeah. shaved her head I, and I remember that that, that yeah. was the most interesting thing at the time that I read about her and that's why I think she like clicked I was like wow I was the only girl on my team as well, so it was a bit, yeah. Yeah. I was with that. Yeah, she she pretended to be a boy and uh, called herself Ray because I think mm-hmm. those are her initials. Um, which you know, this is amazing. This is like you know, the 1990s that this is happening. Like, absolutely incredible. You know, that's that's like, all right. In one sense, it's a long time ago, but in another sense, like to me, that doesn't feel like a really long time ago. And, and yeah. yeah, Rachel's like hugely, hugely inspirational figure. And um, talking of inspirational figures, of course, you and I went down to London Colney, or up to London Colney, um, actually, <laughs> yeah. um, from my position in London, anyway, um, to talk to to talk to Joe Montemoro, uh, the Arsenal manager, and. Um, 
Yeah, the, Arsenal also gave us six players to interview, which um, which we didn't find out <laughs> until we, until we rolled up and started setting up. So um, we kind of pulled six interviews out of out of the fire, um, really. But um, we we had a really good chat with Joe. And have, have you interviewed Joe before? I can't remember. Yeah, I had post game yeah. of that time you beat Chelsea five 0 Yes, yes. <laughs> so that that was a great interview to have, and I'm I'm he's amazing. I'm glad that we have him and what he's brought to the team, the ethos, the way they play. So yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's he's like, and it will come across in this interview as well. The, the the best way I think I could describe him is like very Australian in that <laughs> yeah. you can't help to be like relaxed in his company. And he he has, um, I think it will come through in this interview. He has um, a really really good personal touch with people, and I think it's really obvious um, mm-hmm. why the players absolutely love him. So um, why don't we roll that interview with Joe now, and um, we'll see you on the other side. Okay, joining me now, the manager of the Champions of England, Joe Montemoro. Joe, thanks very much for joining us. Um, Joe, I kind of want to wind things back to when you first joined Arsenal um, at the end of 2017. Um, And it seems to me, uh, looking from the outside, that tactically what you kind of focused on first was solidifying the base of that team. So the very consistent selection in the back four with Dominic Bloodworth, um, and then this season, you've kind of mixed things up a little bit more, flitting between a back three and a back four. Was that always part of your plan when you came in, just to kind of keep things quite steady and stable, and then once you had a pre-season, to mix things up a little bit? Champions of England, that sounds, sounds all right. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, absolutely. You've hit it right on the head, I think. Uh, the way we want to play, uh, to have a style of play, to have a belief in the way that we play, you need insurance policies. And um, and that gives the players the what's the word the the confidence and the belief that every game they go into they can always they can always fall back on these insurance policies and get something out of the game. So yeah, we 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 set we set out to to play away. We set out to to design the way we wanted to play, and we created effectively some core values, some core rules that 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 underpin all that. Then. Once you've got that base, you can then you can then switch in between. You can then go to a back three because the core is still the same. Then you can play with a bit more width, or you can play a little bit more inside, depending on what we what we what the game requires. So yeah, effectively, the core was the core was uh, was um, solidified. The base was solidified. Always to our style. Always to the way we wanted to play. Uh, we, we believe we should play, and and then from there you can then start to develop and 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 basically adapt accordingly. And uh, how, uh, and kind of looking at some of the things, the adaptions you made in the summer, you brought some players. Unfortunately, a couple of them were injured for pretty much the whole season. Um, but I'm interested in the signing of Leo Volti in particular because it seems to me that that really helped you to flip between that back three and that back four, particularly uh, kind of leaning on the versatility of Dominic Bloodworth, um, who can kind of slot into a back three and play at fullback. Yeah. Um, and kind of particularly the way you like to push your fullbacks on, really kind of. Um, protect Arsenal against the counter-attacks and, and Leah, despite missing almost half the season was voted into the PFA Team of the Year yeah. how important was I mean her and Dominic Clodworth how important have they been in creating that flexibility? Yeah, uh, two different players two different players um, I think um, Leah, Leah is, that, is, is, the, is the player that you know, obviously, you know, scouted and, and, and was was after for a while that we um, we were able to bring into the group, and 
she she's uh, how can I put it she's uh, versatile in terms of a starting the attack but b also identifying the management of when we are attacking because the way we want to play um, you know it's always going to be one counter attack or it's always going to be some moments where we may get caught and that management of the players that are left back while we're attacking is, is huge she does that she does that because she knows when to drop in as a back four if we're playing with a three she knows when to push on and protect with a, with a second six she knows when to cover for a full back and that's very very important yeah Dom look Dom the reality with Dom is that we, we wanted to play her more in central as a central defender because she A has the has the explosivity to recover but also can find the pass she can also ch- change the point of attack which is very very important for the way we play um Obviously, finding the space on the opposite side when we need to. Unfortunately, you know, once we lost Leah, we had to play Dom more in the central role. A little bit different to Leah, um, but yeah, that versatility and that ability for us to to a be be able to manage when we don't have the ball. Uh, sorry, when we have the ball, um, is very very important because it's it's identifying the moment that we need to maybe you know f- protect the space behind, or we can go a little bit further and, and press a little bit higher. To have that special player is important. Yeah, and I um, I, I spoke to Dominic Bloodworth at the beginning of the season after the Lewis game, mm. which we won nine nil. And uh, it sounds weird when you win 9-0 and I was sat watching and I thought Dominic Bloodworth had the most interesting kind of role on the pitch that day. She played in the middle of the back three and it was just every single time she got the ball she was hitting those flanks and I spoke to her about that afterwards and uh, she said that you'd watch videos of Lewis and you you identified this as a a particular area area, uh, where you could hurt them and that... That impressed me, not not just um, in terms of the level of preparation, but the level of professionalism where, really speaking bluntly, Arsenal don't need to do a lot of preparation to go and beat Lewis and to go and beat them well. But um, how much, you know, looking at the weaknesses of quite an inferior opponent, how much of that is about creating a really professional environment where the preparation for every game is meticulous and how much has that contributed to not dropping a single point to any team outside the top three? You uh, ask amazing questions because you're hitting, <laughs> you're, hitting, you're hitting little chords which are very, very important to what we do. Um, first of all, it's the base. So first of all, the, the, the core structure of the way we want to play is very, very important. And once you solidify that, once there's a belief, once you train for that every day and they understand their roles and responsibilities in that, that's the first, that's the first layer that needs to be a non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned. The important thing is then to know what to identify in the opposition so you can pick many, many things by watching the opposition over four or five games and say they do this, they do that, they do that. But what is the most important thing that's going to suit our style that we think we could unlock them? So it's always two or three little basic, basic things that always is within our style, within the way we want to play, that I believe that we just need to adapt to say, OK, today it's width in, in the middle third. So as soon as we get the ball, we need to empty the space to find width in the middle third. And that's where you play when we have the ball. The reality is is that we want the ball. We want to keep the ball. We want to find the solutions with the ball. And the more you instill that, then you can find those solutions. Because you show them and say, OK, we've got the ball in this area. That area is open. We need to prepare to go to that area. So... It's not so much. It's not so much picking 
the brains out of the opposition. It's finding those two or three elements that we believe we could find a solution within our style. And that's the most important thing. And once they believe in the style, they know that they can adapt to that to that to that solution. Our you know, our culture has been created within a football environment. Football solutions, football discussions. How can we how can we make things better within football uh, language? And that's created our culture. It's not about, you know, other things. It's about football. That's what we're here for and, and the professionalism of, of football discussion. And that's the most important thing for us. And another thing you changed quite notably, you brought in uh, Pauline Perry-Magnin uh, from France as a goalkeeper. And I think many people, myself included, kind of expected her to come in as a backup goalkeeper. But actually, I mean, you've shared between the goalkeepers quite a lot, but she's played marginally more than Sari. Um, and Sari's, you know, big figure at Arsenal, and obviously it's a World Cup year. Was there, um, was it a difficult conversation to have with Sari to say that um, that there's going to be this job share with the goalkeepers? And what's the thinking behind that? I think I think it was very very important to Sa- for Sari to be challenged. I think it was mm-hmm. very very important for Sari to to have someone of equal or of 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 of, of quality that she could improve. Um, and look, Pauline, um, you know, has obviously been the number two at Lyon, hasn't played much football. Um, so it was exci- that was an exciting project on its own because she was hungry to, to prove herself. Um, from the day I saw Pauline, she, she suited the style and, uh, and that's why we brought her in. Was it difficult to have discussions with Sari? Obviously, because Sari is, is, is a world-class person and player. And, and you know, and, and to be told that, hey, you, you're going to be now now um, you know maybe maybe fighting for your position or fighting for your spot was always going to be difficult but I think it was important for her because going into a World Cup and and obviously raising the bar you know one of the words which I hate is mediocrity I hate complacency and mediocrity I hate that and and I think Sari will be better for it that we've raised the bar and, and given her the, the tools now to cope with with better players around her, better challenges, higher challenges, better solutions. And, uh, and, and I think it was, it was very, very important that we did that. And uh, I read a, a piece, Jordan Nobbs in The Telegraph last week, and she spoke about um, the, kind of the environment of trust that's been created here. And she was saying, you know, you, you haven't gone in for like bonding weekends and things like that and team building events and, and you've just kind of let the players... Um, kind of certainly socially as much as anything kind of left them almost to their own devices is that a hallmark of your style or did you just come here and and think that this was already a tight-knit group and you didn't really need to do that very much a hallmark of my style um as, as i just said before uh, it's about football it's about football discussions and and if the base of the way you play what you believe in how you train and you see that the way you play is the way you train and they understand they understand why we're doing it i don't think you need you don't need any team bonding or boot camps because the football is 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 the be all and end all it's the discussion it's the it's how we can make it better because they now have foundations this team now has a foundation of of what it believes in and what it does they will make it better. They, they will find the the the, um, the solutions to make things better because the the, the, the cause 
the core, the, the, the base, the structure is solid now. And, um, you know, they go out, they have fun, they enjoy themselves. We go out for, for meals and so on. But we don't need any team bonding. You know, they, within this system and within this structure, they found a level of respect and honesty for themselves that if something's not right, they'll come to me or they'll, they'll, they'll tell the group they could, they're honest with each other and say, hey, I, don't, I think we need, to, we need to raise the bar. It's them. It's about the players. It's about, it's about them raising the bar. It's about them doing doing better and wanting to be better I've created the foundations I've given them the tools to give them the insurance policies that they can always fall back on to play to get a six and a half out of ten to get a seven out of ten if they if they follow these these basic structures and rules the rest they'll develop that through a smile through enjoying their football and giving them the freedom to play giving them the freedom to play and um there was a kind of nice montage on the big screen at the Emirates on Sunday and kind of over the top of it they were playing one of your I, I don't know if it was a team talk or from a meeting or something and uh, I couldn't hear it all but one phrase really jumped out at me that made me think and uh, you said to them don't complain um, and actually it's something I hadn't thought of watching this team all season that they don't complain and they haven't complained there's never complaints about refereeing decisions even though there's probably been a few dodgy tackles on Arsenal players this year there's been no complaints about that no complaints about injuries again is that um, a hallmark of your style or was that culture already in the group we're privileged to be professional footballers we're privileged to be at Arsenal we're privileged to every day come in we have a professional contract we get paid to do something we love there's no need to complain about anything Referees will make mistakes. Referees will do stupid decisions. We could have started complaining about the amount of injuries we had. We have to get on with it. We have to find solutions. We have to be innovative. We have to, we have to be better. I just want to be... I want, I, I want the players to be here to be better, to be better individuals. But I also think we've got a responsibility in women's football too. These, the, a lot of these athletes are, um, are role models, you know, and... It's not a nice look when you're when you're complaining and always uh, this can't happen. Let's just get on with it and let's 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 not talk about what we don't have. Let's talk about what we can do. What we can do with with the tools that we got. There's no need to complain. There's, complaining is 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 insecurity. Complaining is is that you are not we're not we're not comfortable in what we're doing. Complaining is that we don't have the right foundations in place it's not clear things aren't clear when things are clear you're comfortable you're secure you don't need to complain because you know that if you do the right things at the right time the success will happen and a final question it would be completely remiss of me not to ask um, obviously Arsenal are going to be in the Champions League um, again next year so um, anything on your summer plans in terms of uh, bolstering the squad a little bit and will you be and where will you will, where will you be watching the World Cup the World Cup, I'll be uh, I'll be in France a little bit, so I'll be going to watch a lot of games. Um, I've got the privilege of, of going to see some some great games. There's going to be some amazing, amazing uh, football played, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some superstars that come out of come out of all this. And uh, yeah, look, I think it, it is an obligation for us to to now raise the bar to get better as as Arsenal, and we do need to bring in extra players. There's more games, 
more challenges and we need to now balance the squad out to be able to to I suppose adapt to certain things um, that, that other other countries and other styles will, will throw at us so we need to we need to bolster the squad and I think what that'll do will just raise the, the competitive bar of training and the quality of training to make us better. Joe, thank you very much and congratulations again. Again, brilliant work, huh? Thank great you. Great work, you do some great stuff. Cheers. Well done. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, welcome back. We hope that you really enjoyed that uh, that interview with Joe Montemoro. I, I personally, I love interviewing Joe because I love talking about tactics and things like that. And I know yeah. Joe loves talking about that stuff as well. Um, and I, I, I feel like when you ask Joe like a, a technical question, his eyes really, really light up. And, uh, yeah, I know he was, he was pleasantly surprised <laughs> how, was, how much he knew about his tactics. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he, I, I think it's, um, I, do you know, I, I couldn't help thinking when he was talking a little bit about Unai Emery you know in terms of like Joe likes to change his team around a bit but what he was saying about when he first arrived like keeping that core Mm -hmm. and getting them believing in the philosophy first and then changing uh, yeah. tactics and stuff like that I, I couldn't help thinking of um of Unai Emery and, and whether um he's kind of got things the right way around but um you know, well, speaking, I suppose, of a slight crossover into men's football, um, Pippa and I had, like, we had, like, a bit of an incident, didn't we, when we were interviewing Lisa Evans, and uh, we went to interview Lisa, and um, Petr Cech was oh, yeah. <laughs> in our immediate vicinity, um, doing a drum solo, which um, I think we've got a little clip of it here, we'll just, we'll just put it in. Testing, testing. Picking that up. Yeah, so we we were we were trying to talk to Lisa, and uh, unfortunately, Petacek was uh, that that was quite. Have you, have you ever had anything like that, like during an interview at all? Never. Fortunately, <laughs> I've never had anything like that. The worst I've had when I've been outside is a bit of rain, so you just got yeah. to shelter. But all that noise. Well, I wouldn't say noise. He's got a good talent there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty decent, isn't he? To be fair, yeah. it's, it's just like a little bit um, when you're trying to record for for audio. Um, like you know talking about uh you and the, the kind of the content that you do around women's football and i know you're you're very in demand with it nowadays and uh this weekend past uh you were in budapest right for the champions yeah. league final how yes. how was that and and what and what were you doing around the champions league final 
this was one of the most amazing weekends I've had in a long while. So I was invited out there by UEFA and I was doing work for Give Me Sport Women. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole weekend organised by UEFA. So they, they have a campaign called We Play Strong, yep. which is, I, I guess, where a lot of the players are involved, a lot of the Champions League players. and yep. Lisa uh, Evans. And, and, yeah, as well as uh, WSL players as well. Um, yeah, they just promote the women's game and they organise the weekend. The day that we all arrived, uh, they had the first ever women's freestyle European freestyle football championships where there was eight freestylers battling it out to be crowned the best European football freestyler and a, and a freestyler named Gushka won. Right. Absolutely amazing. Um, that was part of the campaign as it was the Champions League first ever standalone Champions League final because normally yeah. they had it in the same city as the men. So to have it here, uh, have it out in Budapest was just a, an amazing thing on its own. So the what they did and bringing everyone together, there were so many influential people there from different media organisations and how what they're doing to change the game for for women's football. So uh, there was people from B in Sports, Copper Ninety. Uh, oh, I, I I could go on naming all the list of people that were there, but it was an incredible host of people that you ever brought together. Um, and then yeah, onto the Champions League final, which was absolutely epic. I mean, we all spoke about it beforehand on who we would expect to win. Obviously, <laughs> about ninety nine percent of the people went with yeah. Leon, yeah. and the one percent was you know rooting for the underdog Barcelona. But it was quite clear that Leon were going to win because they are an absolutely outstanding team. And for me, that was the first time I ever got to watch them play live. Yeah, and yeah. I genuinely felt privileged to watch them because they were that good. Yeah, and I, I don't think their dominance is going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. Um, not least because there are kind of spending caps in England. So mm-hmm. while, like you know, Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea, in principle, have the money behind them, that there's a limit on what they can spend because it's connected with turnover. And I don't think Leon have got that restriction. And and from what it sounds like, Leon are going to sign even more um, <laughs> big players um, looks like a couple from Man City a couple more from ah, Man City so are going yeah, <laughs> to be heading there this summer and they're just they're, they're a juggernaut really and it, it's kind of a shame the way the draw came out really because Leon you know in the quarter final they got Wolfsburg who always run them close they got Chelsea yeah. in the semi who run them really close it, it was a bit of a lopsided draw because Barca yeah. are an emerging force but they're, they're just not on Leon's level are they really and it showed to be fair yeah. I mean I felt oh, I wish oh, I've forgotten her name but I felt really sorry for the for the left back number 15 uh, that had to mark Shanice because uh, every time Shanice got the ball in the wing there was absolutely no stopping her and mm. I, I, yeah it looked like she was inexperienced but it, it's all part of the game and it's a learn experience for Barcelona because as you say it's their, they're getting used to this game and it's their first time in a, in a Champions League final but you could see the levels the difference between them yeah, and um, I, I also kind of saw that um, one of the people that you met in Budapest, Manuela Zinsberger. Oh, um, yeah. Is that right? I'm signing. Did, did you get a chance to have a word with her? Yeah, I spoke to her quickly because I met her at the after party. Yeah. So it was quite loud and you know, everyone's in high spirits. But I spoke to her and she was super excited. I was super excited to meet her. And I told her what I do. I told her that I am a blogger and I... I do a lot of interviews at the Arsenal games, so she was super excited to meet me. She was like, I'll be seeing you lots next season. And she's so excited to uh, join Arsenal. And she did say that, well, she's got high hopes. And this is the good thing because she's not coming to, for, like, she's serious about this. She mm. is basically stamping. She told me that Barrera is going to be in the Champions League final next year. That's what she's saying because she said, nice. as she's from Austria, 
she said that the Champions League final next year is apparently in yeah. Vienna. Yeah, that's right. And that, that's where she's from, and she's looking. She said she's looking forward to playing the Champions League final in Vienna next year. So awesome, awesome. Coming to win things for sure. That's that's absolutely awesome, and and of course, like there's quite a lot of um, ex Bayern players already in the squad. Um, yeah. With there's two this summer. Um, by the time this goes out, maybe the third one will be announced. Um, mm-hmm. Leonie Meyer, the right back, um, all, all three of those uh, transfers were agreed earlier this year. Um, and also playing Bayern in the Emirates Cup at the end of yeah, July, that's, that's, which is really exciting. That should be really exciting. I mean, that's the first, not the first time that the Arsenal women have played at the, at the Emirates, but I mean, on an occasion like this where it will be a game just played before the men's game, mm. it, it's going to be a momentous occasion. Yeah, yeah. And like from Arsenal's point of view, you know, a, a lot of people say like um, the women should play at the Emirates more, which 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 I think is right. But from Arsenal's point of view, it's it's not a massive star for Arsenal women. It's a massive, massive kind of um, thing to try and organise a game at yeah. the Emirates. And this way they get the men's resource and they get like a proper gauge for yeah. how many people are interested. So if you're one of those people who says they should play at the Emirates more often, basically I can tell you that the club are looking at this and they're going to look very closely at how many bums are on seats at 12.30 on that day. So if you're one of those people, buy tickets for the Emirates Cup, get in your seat at 12.30 because if there's a lot, they will do this more often. Yes, and I hope to get everyone there. Ex- exactly. And bear in mind, you know, Tottenham are coming up next year, so there's going to be a North London derby. Man United are coming up. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of potential um, for big games there. Um, but, of course, we're talking about players signed from German clubs. Um, one of the players we signed last summer from a German club, Tabir mm-hmm. Kemmer, we also had the opportunity to speak to at London Colney. And, and Tabir is an absolutely fascinating character um, unfortunately been injured a lot this year but I don't know how do you, do you follow her closely on Instagram at all? Yeah I do have her on Instagram and I was just saying that I was it was an exciting interview because I didn't know that much about her mm. Tim you, as you do you've managed to get another great interview because <laughs> well, I didn't know what her profession was before she joined Arsenal so I wonder if the listeners did in, indeed, indeed, and uh, you know she's she's a she's a policewoman. She's she's a real action woman. I I think she might be hyperactive, to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, but we'll uh, we'll roll that interview now because uh, Tabir is a, a fascinating character, and hopefully next season we'll see what a great player she is. Let's roll that in now. Uh, now I'm joined by uh, Arsenal midfielder, defender, forward, um, goalkeeper, maybe sometimes. Freestyling. Freestyling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Arsenal's German international, Tabia Kemmer. T- Tabia? Is it Tabia? Tabia, right. Tabia. Yeah. Yeah. Tabia. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Um, Tabia, uh, a season probably of really, really mixed emotions for you. Your first season um, in England, I understand you, you got the injury after you'd agreed the transfer, but before you arrived... Um, and it's been quite an injury hit season for you but still you've had some involvement and Arsenal have won the league so what's um, just from a personal perspective what's your kind of assessment of the season? I mean for at first like I didn't expect that year I had um, it was not my best or yeah literally it was my worst year I've ever had but I think this is football so you will have inj- you will have injuries and now I mean I, I had the worst case the cartilage injury but all in all, it was a tough year for me. Mm-hmm. But 
with awe because I came in summer after I was um, 12 years in Potsdam so it was my highlight it was good to have something new around me new a new coach new teammate so I always was focused on to get into it and not even not because I was every single day in the gym try to to work hard on my comeback and unfortunately it's, it didn't work like I wanted to have it but I think yeah how I said it's football and there um, it's I mean so in November last year I already was in training with um, my teammates mm. so I had the feeling being part of, of the team not even in the gym so especially now in the end of the season because we won the trophy and we will hold it next Sunday against Man City hopefully with a with a good game before and it's just like sometimes when you're out for such a long time you don't feel you're a part of the team but it's different here because I already had a few game minutes and I'm every every day every day I'm seeing that my teammates here working hard and especially in the gym we work together and so I can say like it feels like I'm a part of it yeah yeah and I've, I've spoken to Dan Carter a few times this season for example and she kind of describes you as the rehab crew yeah. because there's been quite a few of you this season um, and you know she spoke a lot about what a great support network you've been for each other and, uh, and particularly for you with Vicky Schnaderbeck who's come in and had pretty much an identical situation yeah. um, in season so how have um, you know having the likes of Dan and Jordan and Vicky um, around how has that kind of helped you in your integration to Arsenal? So it was literally like a, a small team in the gym, unfortunately, on one way. But on the other way, it's just good to have these um, players around you because you're more motivated when you're seeing other players working as hard as you, and especially when you have the same exercises. So it was a great support of them. And I think, or especially because... Um, I remember Jess, um, she was the first, she was back on the pitch, how we celebrated it, like, mm. you can see, okay, that will be your next step, and you're just looking forward, and um, you're happy that at least one of your rehab group is on the pitch again, but I think it was, especially for me, it was so important to have um, these players around me, um, because when you're in, everybody is um, outside on the pitch, and you're just in the gym, um, every every day, it doesn't matter how the weather it, it is outside, so you have to stay in. And so it was a great support, a great like atmosphere. Just have them around you and work together on your comeback. And um, I'm also kind of interested. You've got quite an interesting backstory in that you're a policewoman in Potsdam. Um, and and I, I, my understanding is you'll, you'll go back, you're on a leave of absence from the police um, in, in Germany at the moment and you'll go back there and, and continue. How did that come about? So when I finished my A-level in Germany, I just decided or I knew I have to be or I have to do something around besides football because when I'm like a type of player when I'm just I can be too focused on football mm. and then it's too much then I lost um, the yeah to play football with fun so it was for me important to to try to um, coordinate my second or my, my life after my career with football right now 
and it was a great opportunity and great support um, because the police in uh, Potsdam where I lived they supported me to do the education and to do all the internships because it was quite hard uh, we had training twice a day and then I had to, to work on the police station eight hours so it was a great communication between the police between um, police and the coach as well so it was or yeah five years was it was quite tough to to coordinate it um, especially for me as a player and with the world cup and with the olympics i lost um the time where i had to go or where i had the internship in germany at the police station um so that's the reason i really appreciate it right now just be part of my football life hmm. especially when uh, because of my rehab and um kind of uh, off the pitch as well um, following like your Instagram yeah. account for example it does seem like you have a lot of ex- extracurricular <laughs> yes. kind of interests um, yeah. your camper van yeah, uh, right. for a start um, and you always seem to be building something or planting something yeah. um, and I'm interested in um, you know is that part of is that like a deliberate kind of um, effort to keep busy or are you just one of those people who always has to be doing something it's just, I, I mean I grew up on a farm so I like to to see something growing up and it doesn't matter if these are vegetables or something else I want to build and I like to to do it by my own just um, because it's always a learning process so all the theory for my camper when I had from the YouTube t- different YouTube tutorials and it's just quite nice to have something something besides football. And this is right now the, the camper van and the gardening I'm doing. And it's just, especially now in my case, because of my long-term injury, quite important for me. Because you're so, so in, up to in it, like you're so focused on your injury. Because mm. you, you need to do recovery, everything else, treatment, then a heart session in the gym. And it's good to have something... You, you can forget your injury, especially now in my case, my knee. So I just, I'm lost in, in the garage, uh, garage where I do my camper van stuff, and this is just good for my mind and mentally as well. And um, you came over with uh, Leo Volti, um, obviously, and a, a you know long-term teammate of hers in Potsdam yeah, as well. Right. Unfortunately, she's caught the <laughs> injury bug um, now, yeah. but um, I think up until she was injured, she was one of Arsenal's best performers. Um, and I wanted to ask first of all how you've seen her adaption on the pitch and how much she's helped you is it right that you live together? Yeah right yeah, yeah, in yeah. and how much um, you've kind of helped each other with your adaption to Arsenal? I mean I already knew how her performance is because I played with her um, together in Potsdam for a few years so um, and there she was captain and she did a lot of for the club and I already knew when she will have something new around her that she will increase her um, top level so it's yeah i'm just looking forward f- um how she she played football here how she increased her her level on that um football level and i mean i'm in case of her injury right now i'm i think the most experienced person what uh, a need surgery is about and all the rehab is about so i can help her a lot and yeah unfortunately so it's her left and my right so <laughs> yeah but this is what i said before this is football this is i mean not even football it's sport, all about sports you will have an injury it just depends if this is a long term or short term and it's almost um that how you reacted 
on it mm. so because you have to work hard on on your um, performance especially when you work on your comeback so it's quite tough but there's like an end of this rehab time and there you have to fight for and uh, my final question um because we've only really seen you in little brief uh, cameos from the bench at the moment and we know from your career that you can play in pretty much any position <laughs> has joe spoken to you about where he sees you in this team long term which position he might have you play so um before in potsdam i played two seasons as a striker mm. and in the national team as a fullback and he said he could see me as a fullback or as a winger but for me it doesn't matter which position for me it's more impor- important um what teammates are playing around me and what harmony we have and it doesn't matter which position is that because or in my past I played a few positions different positions and I think it was good for me because on every single position you have a different point of view of the game mm. and this was a learning process for me as well because now I ex- I know how the teammates around me are moving to the ball or how their runs are and it's especially for me it's quite good to know because I already played that position. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks Cheers. too, yeah. So that was our interview with Tibia Kemmer who um uh, she's played uh, I kind of introduced her the way I did because she has literally played in every single outfield position for Germany so you, you can tell from that that she's a serious player um, Pippa to kind of wrap up obviously we've got the World Cup starting in a couple of weeks um, yeah. and you're going to be out in France is that right what, what are you going to be yeah. doing and who for uh, so I'll be out there for most of the World Cup and I'll be out there uh, presenting for Give Me Sport Women's social media channels and uh, I'll be mainly covering the England games but of course be getting in on all the action uh, a lot of hopefully get some great player interviews and we'll still be doing a lot of fan interaction before and after games also Awesome and uh, you know hopefully maybe nab an Arsenal player or two um, yeah. for for, <laughs> for the, the hashtag content here um, albeit like we say we we got we were given six players um, a couple of weeks ago so we've we've got quite a bit uh, coming up over the summer but but Pippa just to wrap up where can people find you on social media uh, so on Twitter and Instagram my handle is at Pippa underscore Monique and on YouTube it's PippaTube I think that's the only places you can find me for now <laughs> awesome and Pippa um, basically from the next episode onwards um, you know you'll be more of a host than a guest yeah. and we're absolutely delighted to have you um, huge asset I think to this podcast going forward and uh, really really exciting so thanks for joining us not only today but um, kind of going forward and uh, yeah look forward to making making a lot more of these um, in the kind of months to come yeah I'm looking forward to it it's going to be an amazing summer and looking forward to the next season even more now so yeah cool okay thank you very much for joining us on the May edition of the Arsenal Women Askcast we will have um, we'll have a couple more episodes for you during the summer we had interviews with Lisa Evans Emma Mitchell Yanni Arndt uh, Katrina Veyer Louise Quinn Katie McCabe as well so we'll kind of drop those over the summer um, for the World Cup personally I, I will be doing some writing for Betfair um, and you'll also find me on the Offside Rule podcast um, 
with uh, with with the presenters there. It's, it's a fantastic podcast anyway, but they'll be doing a daily podcast over the Women's World Cup, and I nice. will pop up a few times. Um, Jilly Flaherty uh, will also be on that, I believe. Um, so, you know, two South East Londoners, furious uh, <laughs> there. And, uh, uh, and yeah, so if, if you're interested in, in following either myself or Pippa during the Women's World Cup, we'll be doing a lot of content. But we will speak to you um, on this podcast again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com